Hi everyone, welcome back to the Scrum Dynamics Podcast. I'm Neil Benson, and you're here because we want to help you shrink your project budgets, reduce your implementation times, mitigate technical risks, and deliver better outcomes for your Microsoft business applications users and our implementation teams by using the Scrum Agile Software Development Framework. A special welcome for you if you're a first-time listener. Remember to click the subscribe button on your podcast player, that way you won't miss an episode. Recently, I've been presenting at some of the community conferences, Dynamics Power in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, and just this past weekend at 365 Saturday in Auckland. It was great meeting so many passionate business apps professionals from Microsoft customers and partners all over Australia and New Zealand. Thanks very much to the fans of the podcast and to the customary crew, the people who've taken my Scrum for Dynamics 365 course. It's great to meet you all. I appreciate all the fantastic questions, the kind words and the feedback that you had for me. On this show, we're going to be chatting with Steve Brooks. Steve's the consultancy director at Cooper Parry IT Solutions in the UK. Cooper Parry IT Solutions was the winner of this year's Microsoft Partner of the Year Award for Dynamics 365 Business Central. I've really enjoyed interviewing the people who work for Microsoft customers and partners about what makes their projects successful. And in this call with Steve, he shares his experience with another business model that I think has been a challenge for most Microsoft partners. That's the partner-to-partner model. Two Microsoft partners forming an alliance to serve a mutual customer together. Another successful aspect of Cooper Parry's business model is the way that they engage with new clients and implement Business Central remotely by simplifying what they sell and how they sell it. Let's join Steve and find out the secrets behind Cooper Parry's Microsoft Partner of the Year Award. So I'm delighted to welcome to the Scrum Dynamics Podcast, it's Steve Brooks. Welcome, Steve. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I'd love to find out a bit more about you and uh, find out what your role is. You're at Cooper Parry. Tell us a little bit about your role there and, and about your background in dynamics and how you got started. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my name is Steve Brooks. Uh, my job title is Consultancy Director, but that is, I guess, deliberately vague. Um, my, I've been at Cooper for about 12 years now. I actually came into dynamics and into the whole world of IT via accountancy. I qualified as a chartered accountant within Cooper Barry's accounting team and then moved across into our IT department about five, six years ago. And, you know, we kind of recognized that actually having accountants in the team was you know something that we wanted to do it was fairly unique that we were an accountancy company that also had an it solutions department as well even even kind of all those years ago so yeah i i started um delivering dynamics nav as it was i think dynamics now 2009 r2 had just come out at the time right. um and i've been there ever since delivering implementations and then kind of worked my way up through the team and now really what my role involves is new business, uh, business development, uh, looking after the team and all of the consultants and really working with Vicky, my colleague, Chief Operations Officer, to build out our relationship with Microsoft and our other partners. Good. So I normally think of accountants, particularly in the small business space, accountants will be selling Sage, maybe Zero, some of those kind of entry level packages for small businesses. But I think of NAV and now Business Central as being sold by IT solution providers who don't have that kind of accountancy background. Is that true? Or am I, have I got a misperception of the market, particularly in the UK? 
I think that's a pretty good understanding of it. And I think typically that is what's happened. So a lot of the Sage install base has been delivered by accounting firms that wanted to effectively have something to offer to their customers. And I think Zero have had a really successful model, largely doing the same thing, building out relationships with accounting practices that can say, look, you know, we'll be able to do the work that we do for our customers better if they're on a system that we understand. I guess what's made Cooper very different is we originally implemented Exchequer, you know, like 20 years ago, something like wow. that. I haven't heard that name also, for a long time. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> we sold that side of the business a long time ago and, and, and kind of focused on Microsoft. We were already kind of using Microsoft products internally and all of this happened before my time. But, you know, to your point around Dynamics, our firm-wide client base is typically larger than what would suit Sage 50 or Zero or QuickBooks Online or any of those sorts of systems. And so what we were trying to do way back when, when we started selling Dynamics, was align our firm client base, so customers that would need an audit, customers that would need tax compliance and things like that with an appropriate size system. What made us unique is that we actually had a dedicated IT solutions team to do that rather than it just being put in by the accountants. So for a long time, and I think possibly it's still the case that we're one of the only accounting firms that also has sort of IT solutions. Um, and recently we've kind of grown the IT side of the business so so much so that, you know, it's a brand in its own right. Cooperberry IT Solutions is, you know, really now at the kind of the forefront of deploying Microsoft across the whole of the stack. We do Microsoft 365, Azure, and obviously Dynamics 365 as well. And I, I worked for a little while for one of the big four accounting firms, audit firms, in their IT solutions, IT services businesses. And we were always very wary of audit conflicts, of, you know, conflict of interest between auditing a client and providing them IT services. I had to avoid that at all costs. And you know, 20 years ago, those big four, big five went through lots of sell-offs and, and reorganizations to avoid that. Mm. Does the same potential for conflict of interest exist in the mid-market and the kind of services that Cooper Parry is providing and the kind of client base you have as well? Yeah, it does. It can. I think that's less of an issue now than it used to be, not because the rules have changed, but because the main way that we ever got around those kind of potential conflicts is by making sure that the product that we supplied was very standard. You know, we weren't creating a bespoke solution to the point where the other guys were effectively marking their own homework. Right. We're using off the shelf package. Really, you know, the methodology and their implementation has been what's made us different rather than having a very, very bespoke solution. And 100, 200, 300 day projects. We've never really been in that space, even when we first started doing Dynamics. And it's even more the case now with Business Central that we're looking at standard product and relatively low numbers of days, if you like. I mean, we're kind of completely moving away from the days-based model, but it's relatively high volume, low value implementations rather than something that's very, very bespoke. And that helps if those conflicts of interest ever do arise because you can say, well, actually, look, it's an off-the-shelf system not doing something that's unusual or weird or wonderful that's not heavily developed. And yeah, that certainly helps address those points. Yeah. And Cooper Parry was the winner of this year's Business Central Partner of the Year Awards. So I just wanted to say congratulations on that. That's a huge achievement. Thanks very much. Yeah. Yeah. We were really pleased. Um, yeah, really pleased. So the, the reason I wanted to get you on the show was to discuss the, the project that you submitted that won you that award. But I understand it wasn't a single project that led to Microsoft awarding you Business Central Partner of the Year this time around. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your submission and about the entry that you put forward and why you think Microsoft you know, nominated you this year as, as Partner of the Year? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
And you're right, it wasn't any single customer project. Like I said uh, a few minutes ago, it's our model has, has really been about changing the way that we implement. And we've been doing dynamics now for about 13 years. And as part of that journey, probably was about four or five years ago, we got asked by Microsoft to be part of something called the Global Road to Repeatability. Um, for anyone that knows it, I guess it's got a bit of a, a bad reputation. And our experience on that kind of um, program wasn't necessarily the best, but what it did teach us and what it did give us was an idea that actually repeatable implementations, the goal of what that was trying to achieve was a good one. And we've always really had that in mind. And it's led us down the route of doing as standard implementations as we can, you know, not getting stuck into big development heavy implementations. That's never really been our specialty. Our niche, our USP, if you like, has been that we're finance experts delivering finance systems. We really leverage that connection through to accountancy. And when Microsoft launched Dynamics 365 Business Central and you know the various names that it's had previous to that, <laughs> we realized that it was the perfect opportunity to kind of take that one step further. You know, one of the things that takes a long time with on-prem installations is the fact that you know you've got to deal with these hosting and the servers and the patching and IT departments and Azure and all of that, this was a kind of an opportunity to go one step further and say, right, this software now, you can get up and running in, in minutes. So how are we going to use that? How are we going to use that to our advantage? And what that led to really is a kind of completely different way of both selling and implementing Dynamics 365. And that's what the Partner of the Year award submission was focused on. So I guess in, in brief, what we have done is changed a couple of things. We've changed how we sell. Right. what we sell and kind of who we sell to and, and through. So first of all, sort of how we sell anytime now where we're getting any sort of opportunity, whether it's from Microsoft or one of our partners that I'll, I'll talk about in a second, we're doing qualification that's completely online. We're using things like Microsoft Forms to um, qualify what the customer's looking for, to qualify what their business pain points are, try to understand as much as we can about the prospect as, as quickly as possible and then when we think that actually the prospect might be a good fit for us we're doing all of the sort of experience of selling completely online and right. using things like microsoft teams to do that and that's massively reducing the time that we've got to sell uh, it means that everything's being done without kind of getting in the car and driving all over the place yes yeah, a huge productivity gain i imagine yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if there's leads that you think actually aren't going to come to something, then, you know, you're not spending a huge amount of time with them or on them. It's better for them. It's better for us. You can kind of call it quits early or you can progress through to demos and, you know, further stages quickly. It just reduces that time and that cost of sales significantly. And, and the financial yeah. controllers and financial directors that you're selling to, they're happy to spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of pounds on a new accounting system without meeting you and shaking your hand and looking you in the eye? Yeah, I mean, if there is an element of looking us in the eye, not so much shaking hands, but using no, teams with yeah. video calling and things like that, we're making sure that we are seeing people. I think we found that you can build a good relationship with people as long as you can see them, as long as you can kind of un answer their questions and show the product in a favorable way and really understand what they're trying to do and what it is about their business that, that's driving them to get a new system. They're the things that they want to make sure that you understand. Meeting right. them can be a bonus of course but 
yeah, we haven't really actually come up with that much opposition. I mean, we're not selling 100 grand plus projects, so maybe it would be different there. Maybe, you know, that sort of slightly more traditional tender RFP process, you know, that's going to end up with some face-to-face meetings. But for our client base, it's working really well. If you're able to sell online, presumably you're not really restricted to a particular geographic area. You're able to sell outside the Midlands and up and down the length and breadth of the UK. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's made a really big difference. It doesn't really matter to us where a customer is based. I don't know a lot of the time where the customer is based until you know much further down the line because it's just not a relevant part of the kind of sales process anymore. And yeah, that helps hugely. You know, when you're getting leads in, it doesn't matter where they are geographically. It's not part of any sort of conversation. And it's just exposing us to, you know, a huge amount more potential business. Good. So even, even then, a client with a strange Northern Irish, Scottish accent, you could, you could serve them <laughs> <laughs> remotely. That's good news. I'm glad to hear exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. And then I guess the, the other big thing that we've done differently is we said, well, actually, it's kind of touched on it before, but how do we make these implementations more standard? So really what we're doing now is we're saying, well, we know what a successful business central implementation needs to look like. We know what the vast majority of businesses are looking for. It isn't a one size fits all process because obviously there's a huge amount of consultancy time and configuration with the actual customer. But we're not sort of coming out on site or even remotely to say, let's do some scoping work. Let's build out a requirements document and give you, you know, a finance system that's tailored to you. We're effectively saying, here's, our product list build out you know your perfect system with us from that from that if you like list of menu options if you use stock take our stock pack if you use sales ledger take our sales ledger pack but if you don't you don't need those and we've got at the end of these kind of discovery calls an understanding of actually look this is what the customer needs is what the customer wants and then um, we can go ahead and, and, and implement that with them so by simplifying kind of what we sell and not having to go through these kind of complicated scoping sessions, it's a lot easier for customers to understand. And it's a lot easier also for our partners to understand. And I think really that's the, that's the other difference. And again, the reason why we've won the Partner of the Year Award is we're not just selling direct customers. We're selling through partners, typically partners who don't have Dynamics 365 in their skill set you know they haven't got consultants they haven't got developers but they have got customers who want to use them for all of their it requirements and so we partner with some of the indirect distributors and their resellers to be their dynamics 365 implementation partner i'd love to find out a little bit more about that partner to partner model that you have but just wanted to go back to touch on on those discovery kind of workshops that you run with your customers are you selling to businesses in a certain industry or set of industries that you know really well where you know maybe it's a manufacturer and they've got a product list and they're selling SKUs or there are professional services organizations that are selling timesheets or are you able to handle just about any type of business in the UK with the range of discovery workshops and qualification steps you can take them through? I think there's some types of business so we don't have any given we don't have any one vertical but there are certain types of business that lend themselves to our model better than others we typically find the customers that come to us fit into broadly kind of one or two camps. You'll have customers who are on an old system, one that hasn't had really any investment for you know five to 10 years, something probably like Sage 50. We take out a lot of that, um, okay. you know, some kind of sat in, you know, a server in the corner somewhere and 
you know, done the job fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but they're possibly on a kind of a bigger digital transformation journey. They're looking to get rid of servers. They're looking to move everything to the cloud and they want cloud-based accounting systems. So there's, there's that sort of um, customer that's actually looking to kind of modernize and adopt new business processes and try and leverage all the kind of efficiencies that, you know, we hear so much from the messaging that Microsoft put out. And then the other group of customers are often on something more modern, but they are outgrowing it. So we'll see a lot of customers coming to us from things like QuickBooks Online or Xero, where, you know, the product is still, you know, class leading, but there'll be something about their business model or their company, whether it's just sheer growth, uh, whether they're looking to get external investment or whether they've got some sort of business complexity, like they need multiple currencies or multiple companies that has led them to say, okay, well, we need a financial system that's got a little bit more headroom. We need something that's yeah. going to be able to grow as we grow. So they're not really vertically focused, but I guess what doesn't really fit in either of those camps is businesses with a high level of complexity, manufacturing businesses, warehousing businesses. We still do those types of implementations on occasion, but they sort of fit into more of a, a special projects team. They don't fit this model that we have particularly well because it's very difficult to say what works for one manufacturing company will inevitably work for another. That level of business complexity isn't a great fit. Right. Okay. That's interesting to, to consider. I'd love to then go back to your partner, through partner uh, model, because there's lots of, well, for years, Microsoft has been encouraging its partners to partner up with each other to address particular parts of the market. I don't think that has worked well for most people who have tried it. I'm really excited to hear that it's working well for you. And I'd love to you know, find out more about your experience building up that through partner relationship. What's that been like? Yeah, it's, it's been really positive, actually. And, and you're right. I think Microsoft have been pushing it as a possibility before. But what's been really tough is if you, you know, so the, the partner to partner only works if each of the partners doesn't do this, the same things that the other does. So, you know, we, we can't really partner up with other Dynamics partners because clearly there's a conflict of interest there. And so typically then what we're looking at and the partners that we're working with are Office 365 resellers and uh, Azure resellers, you know, smaller MSPs. But with them, I think there's always been this kind of perception that Dynamics is hard to sell, that finance systems need a lot of finance expertise, that you need to do things like on-site scoping. And I think that's one of the main reasons why Partner to Partner hasn't worked previously, because the barriers to entry and the difficulty that there's been in selling Dynamics 365 means that they just don't. They just don't have an interest in doing it mm. um, or, or can't do it. Maybe that's perhaps fairer to say, you know, they want to be able to do it, but not really sure where to make a start. So, you know, we work closely with Microsoft and they encouraged us to, to partner up and they helped us meet some potential partners. And, you know, that, that, that worked really nicely. But I think the key for us has been able to simplify how we sell, you know, going back to what we talked about, first of all. To the level where actually you can explain to an Office 365 reseller, look, actually, this isn't hugely different to what you're already doing. You've got a menu of products that you sell. You need to understand what the customer's business is about, but we can help you with that. But fundamentally, this is what the modules do. This is what these packs involve. And it's made it a lot more like what they're used to selling rather than saying, actually, you know, before we do anything with this customer, we're going to have to go out on site for five days. That's going to cost yeah. them a huge amount of money up front and and it's completely different to the business model that you're, you're already adopting. So 
I think the introductions from Microsoft were kind of were critical and you're right that they've been pushing that model for a long time. But I think what's helped them make it work is, is simplifying how we sell and, and what we sell. And you mentioned this transition to more of a a la carte sort of menu of services that you provide, and you're moving away from selling days of consulting services. Presumably you're not moving towards, you know, six minute increments like many accountants do, but I'm interested in your pricing model as well. It sounds a little bit, you've brought some innovation to that space too. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think we want to get away from having people on site for a day, for a project at a rate, what we want to say instead is this is the solution. This is the finance system or operation system that your business needs. Here's the packs that you've chosen off you know, the list that we sell. And that's the price for that implementation because then you're much more about, well, actually, does this deliver the value that I'm looking for for my business rather than how many days have I got on the budget or we used half a day here for training? Can you use half a day here to make this change to the system? Right. That sort of thing, again, fine. And, and, and I know a lot of projects run successfully in that way. But what I think that doesn't help with very much is, you know, for us, it's not very easy to sort of um, to, to plan around, you know, um, but also for the customer. It's, it's unclear exactly what's in and what's out of scope. And, and it's tough to know kind of, am I going to use all my days for this or use all my days for that? If they know and if they're comfortable with knowing that actually by the end of this project, I'm getting a system where it's fully set up, it's configured the way that I need it to be, my users are fully trained, and I'm onto a support desk that's going to look after me. We don't need to talk about how many days it's going to take or whether you can redistribute days here or there or everywhere because they're just happy that they got a product and they're up and running on it. Okay, so so you price things like a configure a payroll for a 50-person organization. That's a, is that a fixed price? package of work you're putting together yeah so we're doing fixed price fixed scope implementations yeah and that will be based really on the functionality of what's in business central so we have different packs those packs include different functionality and we're saying well if you need that function then buy that pack basically so one of the the side benefits i would imagine you get from that is if it's a standard set of services that the customer is buying and it's a repeatable framework that you've developed to describe what it is that they're buying it's easier to train a new consultant to configure Business Central you know, for that set of services and, and therefore you can scale up your organization pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that's another one of the reasons that Microsoft recognized that actually this is a model that works really nicely. You know, it, it can certainly go wrong for sure, but you're right. I think if you get this sort of thing right, then, and you know, the consultants know what they're implementing, then it, it can scale up. And, and that's really the, the aim for us because you know, there is an advantage, of course, for doing big multi-day projects where, you know, 100, 200, 300 day projects, they can be hugely lucrative. They obviously come with their own risks. And, you know, if they're not well managed and there's an expectation gap between what the customer expects and what the partner expects, then, you know, those sorts of things can go wrong. But for sure, when yeah. you're doing something that's relatively lower cost, then you need to be as efficient as possible. So, yeah, this lends itself well to, you know, to being efficient. Yeah, good. I'd love to find out more about the partner of the year submission process, how that went for you, who in your team compiled the submission was just left up to to Vicky or did you do some of it or or did you have a marketing person who helped you out? And what was it like getting feedback from Microsoft through the process? Did you hear that you were nominated and and in the finalist group? And then I think they they published the list of of finalists and and awardees just about a week or two before Inspire. did you get advance warning of that? I'd love to find out how it all went. 
Yeah, so the process was great. And we knew about these awards and we, we knew about Partner of the Year for a long time. Um, I went to Inspire for the first time a few years ago, I think in uh, Washington, D.C. was my first one. And Vicky and I went and I think at the time, you know, we, we hadn't quite appreciated what Partner of the Year meant and what it took to kind of, you know, win those awards. But we were sitting down in the in the kind of big arena in, in Washington, D.C. and we saw all the Partners of the Year and we thought, actually, this is pretty cool. There's a huge amount of recognition here and we'd really love to understand what it takes to get there. And that was the first the first time we thought about actually, you know, how do we get there? How do we become Partner of the Year? When we decided to apply this year, you know, kind of rolling on forwards for a few years, I think really if you want to be shortlisted or if you want to win you really need to start thinking about applying long before the applications actually open because there's a lot of kind of groundwork involved in in thinking about okay well what are we going to do how how are we separating ourselves out how are we making ourselves known for doing something different so our work kind of went in uh, or started you know probably at the tail end of the year before the nominations opened right so i guess sort of October, November, December time, we started thinking about, okay, you know, are we doing what we need to for winning an award? And then, yeah, for the actual submission itself, that was me and Vicky. I mean, Microsoft give some really detailed brief on what they're looking for, and they make it very clear that you need to hit that brief. So writing the submission is half of the, half of the skill, I think, making sure yeah. that you achieve exactly what they're asking for. Pretty tight on character limit, so you need to be really punchy and you know get the detail in that they're looking for, and don't kind of waffle on about what they're not. And then, yeah, in terms of actually finding out about it, they basically just say finalists and winners will be announced in. I think they said June. I think they, that was as much detail as they gave us. And so we okay. kind of thinking, okay, well, when did the 2018 like award winners get announced? It's probably going to be the same sort of week as that. And yeah. basically checking emails every day. We weren't really sure like how you get notified. And um, yeah, to your point around advanced warning, uh, I think we found out maybe like the day before, just enough time to get marketing and, and things like that lined up. But they're very clear, you don't give any sort of announcement before the big Microsoft press release. So I think it's just enough time to get your own ducks in a row before right. the Microsoft kind of um, press release goes out and, and things like that. And then obviously we, we kind of really capitalized on that as much as we could, put out our own social media posts and things like that and um, press releases. It's very well organized by Microsoft to make sure that everybody does everything at the same time and, and nothing kind of gets drip fed out. Good. Now, you wouldn't want to write those press releases before you'd heard the good news. That would just be tempting fate. So I guess it was a, ma- a ma- you 24 hours mad scramble to celebrate and you know, get the news out there to your clients and, and to your, your coworkers and partners. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, we didn't even tell clients. We kind of kept it hush-hush internally. And then, um, yeah, once we, we got everything sorted out, um, from a marketing point of view, as you said, yeah, it's just a mad scramble to make sure that you think, okay, what are we actually going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to announce this? And, you know, it was the first time for us, so we weren't really sure what it was going to look like from a Microsoft point of view. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. And then once you win, you go back into the partner of the year submission site and, and say, yes, you know, I'd like to, um, I'd like to accept the award. <laughs> and then, yeah. no. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit strange because I'm kind of thinking, if I don't accept this, then, then then what would happen? I mean, yeah, I didn't want to tempt fate on that one. So obviously just clicked accept, but I was uh, interested to think, why, why would anyone not accept it? Was there somebody at Microsoft coaching you through the submission process? Do you have a, a partner account manager that was guiding you and, and you know, reviewing your submission prior to you pushing it in there? Or were you kind of left to it on your own? 
No, we weren't, we weren't left to it on our own. I think the key thing really is making sure that, so, so one of the things that the Partner of the Year guidelines recommend is that you've got a lot of testimonial. So we reached out to our customers to say that, you know, actually we're applying for this award and would you be happy to be part of it? And from a Microsoft point of view, yeah, we worked really closely with our sort of kind of UK product manager. He was really helpful. He kind of gave good guidance. But like I said, there's a huge amount of guidance as well from Microsoft. So there was some really good feedback from him and, and to say, actually, look, you know, this isn't very punchy or, you know, maybe put some more statistics in here, really just to address that brief. But ultimately, I think it goes off once you submit it to to a big panel. And I think that's over in Corp. So Yep. Once it's submitted, then um, it's down to them, really. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, we, we made sure we had kind of um, input from other people, other people in the department. We made sure that we lined up customers for quotes. We made sure that we had things like a customer video in our submission as well. Really just highlighting both the fact that, yeah, we've got happy customers, which is a crucial part of Microsoft's criteria, but also that we had testimony to that fact, you know. And, and were you... You mentioned statistics. Were you including like things like number of customers, number of partners you're working with, all those things as well, the kind of facts to back up the, the good feel and the good news that you're, you're putting forward as well? Yeah, that's the sort of thing. So again, in, in the kind of the brief that they give you, they want to understand, okay, well, if you've done something that's great, then, then we're happy for you. But why is that different to what you've done previously? Why is that different to what every other partner did? Because, yeah. you know, there's so many really kind of skilled partners out there and there's so many people delivering successful implementations that I guess it's it's what have you done differently and what's the impact that it's had and and I think that's what we realized as we went through this it's not just enough to say okay well we're selling something a bit different and it's making making us more profitable fine and and that's all well and good but it's really explaining what impact that's had and why it's sort of bigger than just you know uh, a benefit for us why is it better for our customers why is it better for other partners i think they're the sort of things that they're looking for and then as you said the stats to back that up good um see if i got one final question for you my friend johanna nab solutions in sweden he was a runner-up in this year's award he wants to win the dynamic 365 partner of the year award for business central next year what advice do you have for other partners submitting for the awards and do you think Cooper Parry can win two years in a row? Is that what you're going for? <laughs> That's a good question. Honestly, I don't know if we could win it again. I would love to win it again. And we will be applying and we will be sort of submitting uh, an application again. But, you know, like I said about a couple of minutes ago, the thing that makes you or my, my take, my, my kind of feel for kind of what separates out a, a winner is really kind of how are you doing something different to other people and i think then to win it again and ab to go from say finalist to, to winner i think the key is going to be how have you demonstrated that you've built on the year that you've just had you've obviously had a good year they've had a good year we've had a good year how are you going to take that up to the next level how are you going to say okay well it's not just the same but slightly more customers it's not just the same we've kind of gone out to another country or whatever it, whatever it might be um, what are you going to really do to demonstrate that you took this model and, and, and kind of ran with it? And that means doing something really, pretty, pretty awesome. And there's a lot that we're working on and I'm excited about it. Whether Microsoft see that as well, I guess time will tell, but I'd say it's, it's make yourself stand out. That's the key thing. Yeah, I, I never thought of it that way because I very rarely, I don't think I've ever seen a partner win in the same category two years in a row. And it's maybe not because you can't, but 
like you said, it's, you'd have to keep innovating your own business model year on year. And that's very risky, especially if it's working. Um, why would you change it? You might extend it, like you said, into another country or into another product line, but you're unlikely to fundamentally change a successful business model every year, you know, if, if it's working well. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And I think, you know, innovation for its own sake isn't what we're looking to do. So it, it really has to drive something pretty spectacular. But then, as you said, that's a risk. So I think they're the things that Microsoft are looking for. You know, the stuff that's really exciting that stands out and that, that you know, other partners can, you know, look at and think, actually, yeah, you know, there's some really great ideas in there. And what if we did something similar rather than something that's just sort of self-serving? But as you said, that gets harder and harder to do. Uh, and yeah. and riskier and riskier so uh, yeah there's, there's lots of exciting stuff that we're working on but whether that's enough to be two in a row i guess yeah time will tell hopefully we'll have you back on the show in a year's time to celebrate the second award in a row yeah that would be fantastic happy to come on good well steve thank you very much um isn't to you and to vicky and everybody else at cooper parry congratulations once again on the award thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience with all the other microsoft partners and customers in the Scrum Dynamics audience. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. Thanks very much. Thanks, Steve, for sharing your insights. Well done to the Cooper Parry IT Solutions crew for your Microsoft Partner of the Year for Dynamics 365 Business Central Award. If you'd like to hear more from the people leading successful Microsoft business applications projects, remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode of the Scrum Dynamics podcast. And if you'd like to find out how applying the Scrum framework to your projects can help you succeed, then you can check out my course at scrum365.customary.com. That's the word customer with a Y on the end. I'm relaunching the course in September with new content and at a new price. But if you join before the relaunch, then you can access the course today. And as soon as the new course launches, you'll get access to that as well. But you've got to move quickly. If you're listening and you've already bought the course, then you're already a member of the Customary crew. I'll be sending you some updates over the next couple of weeks asking for your feedback on the new course elements and letting you know how to transition over to the new customer. Oops, sorry, I nearly revealed the name. I'm saving that one for later. Watch your mailboxes for a special message about that one. Until next time, keep sprinting and bye for now.